We have so many stories in our lives, but our stories are not always heard. On the Hear My True Story podcast, we tell our own true stories. Before the white car backed, our head teacher had scattered. Looking at him, I could only see his tie that was flying backwards, waving at us, and he disappeared in thin air. I want to share my life story. I want to share my voice with the people because I know that uh, just a small joke I can tell through this, this podcast, it will make someone smile. When you ask me what I fear most in life, I would definitely respond to you and say it's fear itself. We are fighting for togetherness. We are fighting for equal rights. We are fighting to end injustice. You don't have to be a storyteller or writer because, guess what? Life writes the best stories. Hear my true stories. In this episode, we share a story told by Sharon Kaitzer as part of the Hear My True Story project Kampala. I hope you enjoy the story. Welcome to Hear My True Story Kampala Season 1, where we tell true stories and have conversations about real-life experiences with non-storytellers and storytellers from Uganda. Hear My True Story Kampala is a joint project between Hear My True Story podcast and Omoti Creative, an organization in Uganda. Omoti Creative is an arts organization that provides safe and free learning spaces for creative arts, educational support, and cultural exchange opportunities to children and youths in Uganda. Hi, lovely people. My name is Haitsa Sharon. I'm a professional adult educator and a social worker from Bali, the only place where boys turn to men after circumcision in an initiation ceremony known as Imbalu Festival. Yes, Imbalu Festival is one of the most long-awaited tradition ceremonies in my culture performed by boys and women and only in even years. Now, why even years? Uh, even years like 2020, 2022, 2024, it is believed that in those years there's a lot of food. Yes, that is harvested. Why do they need a lot of food? Is because when people are celebrating like the Imbalu celebration, food is collected around the community. Like people bring uh, like uh, maize flour, beans to prepare for the many crowds that are coming. So it helps in the feeding of the participants in the Imbalu festival. The ceremony goes on for three consecutive days and attracts all sorts of people from the Bukist region and even other regions who are mesmerized by the tradition and all events that take place. I am here to tell you 
about my first and last experience engaged in, in Imbalu Festival and the reason why I was there in the first place and why many girls go there anyway. Amidst the celebrations, there is a dance <laughs> that is performed commonly known as Kadodi. Kadodi, yes, I said Kadodi dance. Kadodi dance is a, a tradition, Gishu, freestyle dance. Oh my goodness, the rhythms, the sounds, the beats played from the numerous drums are captivating wherever they find you. The ceremony attracts large crowds from different communities. And sometimes it feels like a tourist attraction because even foreigners can be present to watch and study. But the main incision ceremony was performed by men. Because the men are the ones who are circumcised anyway. So this was to keep the boys strong because boys are the ones that protect the family and also avoid shying away. The girls... Uh, take part in the festival as dancers and escorts to the boys that are taking part in the ceremony. This dance makes we girls wiggle their waists and it feels like a spiritual attack and the sounds, oh my goodness, and the beats from the drums make the girls sway and pull the freeze strokes. That is unique for our girls from my religion. However, in this dance practice, Every man is for every woman, and every woman is for every man, and every girl is for every boy, and every boy is for every girl. That means that people are loose. They are loose, and anyone can sleep with another, and there are no strings attached that maybe we are relating or dating or something like that. It's for satisfaction purposes. And this brings about early pregnancies, early marriages, a lot of things that comes with it. My father, being a very protective man, had always hated to see his girls participate in the ceremony and named what happened there immoral besides the intended purpose, of course. Who would deny their boy child a chance to be initiated to manhood? This made parents proud. However, it also tickled the libido of the boys initiated to feel grown and ready to have women in their satisfaction. This encouraged them to sleep with a number of girls that participated in the ceremony. We used to listen to, to many stories that were told to us by adults over the years especially those who, who used to attend. And it made us curious and anxious of our own experience at one time. I remember having a sleepless night thinking of a good plan. One day, on the days of the ceremony, my father always sat at the porch in his rocking chair to make sure none of his girls got out of the compound to join the dancers. But that season... Thorough plans had been made for quite some time and nothing was going to stop me from joining the dancers. Together with my neighbor friend, we had made all the necessary plans and mapped out routes for ourselves months before the ceremony. And when, we, when the drums and the chantings filled the air, 
our plan was put in motion. And in no time, we ventured on our journey as part of the dancers. We felt swept away by the wind and tangled into the celebrations without knowing we were blessed and dance strokes came naturally like we had always participated at one point. We were turned to lead dancers and the crowds clapped and shouts of joy were letting traditionally say kakalakise that kept us excited and energized to keep continuing forgetting to go back home. As celebrations took place, Kamalwa was being served to the men and women in large clubbashes. Each one with several shocks at it was communal to share it. It was also given to the boys that were initiated as a sign to show they had grown and can sit at the table of adults. The alcohol, even the young was served because they couldn't segregate at that time of joyful occasion taking place. Many young and old drank to the full, fullest and even fell on the streets because of too much and it never ceased to be little, the supply. The fun, the joy, the excitement was over the room. We danced our feet off. At any point in time, when I thought of quitting, the beat became even more cultivating, cultivating and compelling. I found myself telling my friend who had suggested that we, we had had enough of fun to give me just more torments. Just more torments. But each time she mentioned going back home, I told her, give me more two minutes. Not until she got mad that I realized we had gone as far as we had agreed, even past the border districts of my, of, of my area without feeling anything of exhaustion. It felt like we had been there for only a few minutes. But here we were in a foreign land without an idea of how to get back home. The district that we went to that was friend was Bukedea. Now Bukedea from Bali is 35 kilometers. I know you can only imagine someone dancing for a distance of 35 kilometers. That is how fun Kadori is. So we embarked on a journey back home, taking the only road that we thought was going back. And also asked around for directions from the native people. Meanwhile, it was getting dark and exhaustion coupled up with hunger was kicking in. And the adrenaline rose along with fear. So we moved while running at the same time to get home before dark. The roads were getting dry and it was almost I and my friend on the road, except for the men who bypassed us occasionally going back home riding their bicycles. We dared not to stop them to ask for directions. At the crossroads, we wondered which way to take. Was it the next one? Was it the other? We stood there staring at each other blankly but then, an angel came by, Masinde the madman, from our village, and he kind of recognized us. 
No one knew exactly where he hailed from, but there were many stories told about him and how he got mad. Many said he was from a rich family and was given in as a sacrifice for the riches. And others claim that he was very wise and he ran mad because of too much knowledge. At this point, he was our only hope to get back home. We trolled on behind him. He occasionally turned back to see us, but said nothing. It was scary at first, but then we found ourselves trusting him and started telling stories. Even when he took us through feeder roads, we followed on until we reached somewhere familiar. The thoughts of what was going to happen to me ran in my head. It didn't bother me that much than finding our way home when we got closer to come. To come home. The fright came in. And that's when I started cooking up stories in my head of how I would explain to my father. I drew castles of imaginations of how I would I would I would be embraced at home and how I, I would find my father standing on the entrance of the door waiting for me to come back home. At one point, I felt like not reaching home. But would, that would be a disgrace to my loving family. At that moment, when I had glassed of home, I felt a relief. It was about 10 p.m. when we got home. With the worry of everyone's face, my father, as I had earlier imagined, he was holding a cane, strolling around the compound, having hope I'd be back home soon. He was worried and at the same time very angry. I couldn't tell by the situation at, at home. I could just tell. My mother was busy crying, thinking I fell victim like some of the, of the girls. And no sooner had I stepped in the compound, she ran towards me with tears of joy to embrace me, just like the prodigal son was embraced by the father when he returned home after a long time. And behind her, my father was waiting with a stick and time for me to explain my whereabouts this morning. We were beaten, blue black. I couldn't turn. I couldn't even move my, my body. I just slept, but with pain inside of me. A lot of things were going in my mind because of the pain I was going through. My father didn't use the hand to beat me. He got a stick and he beat me everywhere he wanted, in the face, in the, in the legs, everywhere, because he was angry. Nevertheless, I learned a number of lessons on that fateful day. Firstly, to always listen to elders. And my father was a very tough man, but he really loved us so much. And that's why he couldn't let any danger happen to any of his children. Secondly, I learned the culture is good. 
culture is really good. I mean, if you you if you were in in Bali and you're dancing kado, it is really good. But however, some practices are dangerous. That's to say, the innocent girls that turn out to be pregnant and can't identify who the father of their babies are. More so, alcohol is good for celebration, but also, but also, you shouldn't have the, the the right content because you have to measure the right content of what is not going to harm your body and impair your thinking capacity and since i saw some of the victims falling on the road last but not least i appreciate all people all the people in their capacity for instance this machine they helped us to get home safely and kept us company when we were scared on the way and went an extra mile to protect us from the other men on the way. Ever since that time, I regretted and promised myself never to go back, never will I dance Kadodi again. These stories were directed by Zoe the Storyteller. Audio production for the stories was done by Adnan Singkumba. Many thanks to our project coordinator Nicholas Kaiwa and all the storytellers of Hear My True Story Kampala Season 1. For more stories, please visit hearmytruestory.com. For more information about Umuti Kreativ, visit umutikreativ.com or send an email to info at omuti.org. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to our podcast, music by Edwin Matovo, hosted and produced by Otako. Subscribe to our podcast for more stories and visit us on our website, hearmytruestory.com, for more stories. All the links are listed in the show notes of this podcast.